G'day and welcome to episode 41 of Vice Coffee. Much mention has been made in the series of pemmican, sledging biscuits and hoosh, and with seven minutes in hand before we run out of march, I decided to give those noises I sometimes make more attention. Pemmican can refer to any mixture of dried, powdered meat and rendered fat, which is used as a long-term food supply. The word has Cree origins, but many nations native to North America and the Arctic used some variation on the theme to store and transport food in its longest-lasting, densest form. Pemmican comprises lean, dried meat, pounded to a powder, mixed with tallow or animal fat which is rendered over a low heat to remove any water. This is then shaped into whatever form best suits the need. Cutting fat from the meat before it's dried and rendering the fat before it's added back to the powdered meat gives the resulting food lumps a long shelf life. Adding dried berries, honey or maple syrup to the mix is alleged to improve the taste, but given the starting point that's probably true if you add crayons too. Fourier's, working in the Arctic, adopted pemmican as their preferred staple and introduced it to European fur traders who took the news across the Atlantic where explorers set manufacturers such as Bovril to task making standardised pemmican in large quantities. Different recipes were used to produce pemmican for people and pemmican for dog teams, but they might as well be the same thing, and mix-ups between the two types seem to be common and of little importance to the animals on the receiving end of the nutrients. Sometimes people ate the dog food version because they were all out of the people food, too. If you're eating pure protein and fat, it probably makes little difference if you're getting the 50-50 mix, or the two-thirds protein version formulated for dogs. I'm told, by friend and gastronaut Andy Nolan, that pemmican of the type taken south by Scott smells and tastes similar to dog food, but he refuses to elaborate on how he knows this. Sledging biscuit is pretty much just ship's biscuit, also called hardtack, taken off a ship and eaten while on a sledging expedition. Manufacturers and Expedition PR sometimes made much of the secret recipes adopted specifically and scientifically for a given expedition, but with hardtack already a century's well-established high-carbohydrate, high-fat staple, little innovation was possible. Flour, salt, butter, baking soda and water. Cut the butter into the dry ingredients, then gradually wet the lot with the water, then bake it till it's dry and crunchy, then go somewhere miserably cold and devoid of anything else to eat to make it seem palatable and eat it. And there you have your basic sledging biscuit. Adding oats to the dry ingredients can provide some extra vitamins missing from flour and some fibre that might help ease the worst of the hemorrhoids often associated with sustained high-protein diets. For the fortunate uninitiated, hemorrhoids, or piles, are vascular structures in the anal canal that normally don't bother anyone but occasionally they grow tired of their task helping us keep our shit together and ambitiously head out past the anal sphincter. Once free of their nightmare existence, they aren't keen to go back inside and they remain external, swollen, pinched by the sphincter bottleneck and incredibly painful to their owner until the body kills off the tissue and resorbs what it can from the selfish little prolapse. 
Many polar explorers suffered from hemorrhoids during their sledging excursions due to the high-protein, low-fibre diet, adding a bonus level of misery to people already fighting frostbite, hypothermia and snow blindness. But now, it's back to food. Hoosh refers to any mix of whatever's available, heated on the primer stove and served to weary sledges in a mug or cooking pot. During the heroic era, the evening hoosh most often comprised pemmican and biscuits, but seal meat, horse meat, horse oats, penguin meat and dog have stood in as replacements or supplements when food supplies needed eking out. Obviously, if you have anything else to eat, pemmican and sledging biscuit are low on the desirability scale, but if you need to take large quantities of food long distances with little chance of it spoiling, they are the winner-winner chicken proxy dinner. Freeze-drying processes and effective motorised transport have, fortunately, increased the range of foods that can be preserved and carried light and transported in sufficient quantity that pemmican and sledging biscuit, while still available, are no longer the Antarctic staple they once were. Once, first out of curiosity and later in the piece out of bloody-mindedness, I munched my way through a packet of life raft issue biscuits, similar, I'm told, to traditional hardtack but fortified with synthetic vitamins and baked to an even higher density recipe. The experience gave me a fresh perspective on Terry Pratchett's concept of dwarf bread, which characters in his Discworld series could stare at for hours before they found inspiration enough to find almost anything else to eat. Tea and to a lesser extent hot cocoa, were the beverages of choice on sledging journeys. Weight for weight, you get more brews using tea than coffee. This is pretty late notice, and I don't like to give away the game that I'm not really in a hut in Antarctica brewing up between dives, but if you're in Melbourne on April the 5th, 2017, and have nothing else to do, and 15 bucks in hand, I'll be presenting at Laboratory. Held at the Spotted Mallard once a month, Laboratory brings together five scientists to speak about the scientists who inspire them. I'll be spending my ten minutes speaking about William Spears Bruce. Shout out to Bruce Everett, from whom I both expect and want bluntness. Take care and appreciate your coffee.